Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Hot Pot Podcast. Today I'm joined by Hira Jamil and Molly Deakin. We are going to be talking a little bit about uh, student welfare and well-being within dentistry as a whole. I hope you've been enjoying all the bits and pieces I've been bringing to you, along with all the other guys who we've had on as guests on Hot Pot Podcast and on Dents of Insta. If you're interested in supporting what's going on, have a little look at the link in my bios to the Patreon group uh, but anyway, here's Molly and here's Hera. Hey guys. Hi guys. Hi. So very quickly, for the guys who haven't be- seen you before or spoken to you guys before, what do you do? Um, we'll start with Molly and um, and then Hera. And, and wh- why, why have you been interested in uh, these kind of subjects? Um, so I'm currently working as an associate dentist. I graduated two years ago from Birmingham. Hera was actually my dental daughter. Um, so, you know, when you have like families at dental school, so that's kind of how we know each other. Um, and at dental school, as part of, uh, BUDS, the student society and the BDSA and in my final year, I was the BDSA president where we basically were really passionate about about helping students transition into the real world for dentistry, um, addressing student issues. You know, everyone gets stressed, everyone gets anxious. There's a lot of worries about that transition and that's kind of where my interest started from. That's cool. BDSA uh, student president, what kind of a situation do you know you have, do you have to kind of get involved with to, to end up in a position like that? Um, so I started off just being like a, a junior rep in my second year. Um, didn't, to be honest, I didn't have a clue what I was getting myself into. One of the older students just said, um, come along to this meeting in London. It's really fun. Everything's paid for. Um, we'll have a good time. You know, just see what you think. And I got there and I was kind of like, well, actually, this really resonates with me. This is something that really speaks to me. Uh, stayed on the committee for a couple of years. and then kind of took the plunge and put myself up to be president. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made, you know, just um, kind of putting myself out there, speaking up. The year that I was president was the year when they were deciding what to do about the DFT process. Um, So we were campaigning about the changes that they were making to the changing in timing, the changing in scheduling. Um, And to be honest, what, you know, the way that we, hoped it would go it didn't go but in the long run I'm sure it will work out for the best so yeah yeah I think it's always difficult because sometimes you go into these meetings and their minds are already made up and you're just kind of uh, you're there as kind of like oh yeah we spoke to them so everyone was consulted uh, one of those kinds of things Uh, and here obviously you've been involved in a couple of bits and pieces you've got uh, an article out and you've also done another podcast haven't you so um, where where are you coming from in this whole situation? So, um, yeah, like Molly is, I'm also a graduate of Birmingham, um, recently just qualified, and I'm hoping to start my DFT year this September. Um, I'm on the Telford scheme, so I'm quite excited about that. Um, my interest in mental health kind of came from my own experiences. So during my second and third year, I wasn't really going through the best of times mentally and just generally. And it was um, with the support from 
the dental school, which I'm sure Molly can agree on, which is absolutely amazing. We've got some amazing staff there who are really like passionate about helping students through like difficult times and issues with welfare and well-being. So um, it was kind of with their encouragement that I wrote a piece about my experience, and it was more of a thing for like catharsis. So it really made me feel better writing everything that I'd done down on a page and actually seeing how far I'd come. And then um, it was fortunate enough to be published in the BDJ student just last year. And from then I've had some incredible opportunities. So just recently actually, so back in Feb, I was invited down to the BDA on a mental health and wellbeing conference where we had quite a few people speak about their own experiences with mental health and wellbeing issues, including um, the BDA president, Roz, who was a brilliant speaker and um, got to meet her and introduced myself and it was brilliant because it's quite clearly something that she's passionate about and wants to kind of roll out across the nation. Mm. Um, because obviously we all know that mental health and wellbeing issues in dentistry are quite um, rife and severe. So it's just something that I'm passionate about and anything I can do to help is any, I'll do it basically because I think it's something that's really important to raise awareness about. Yeah, I, th I think you're, you're totally right there. And the idea of mental health is there's some sort of a generational gap and we kind of spoke about this yeah. yesterday uh, with Hass when we had our, our big you know insta live moan about dentistry um, <laughs> but actually I think it's it's something that certain generations almost don't believe in um, because yeah. I was at there was something called the GDC it was a, it was a chat that basically there was a workshops we had back in November uh, where they were talking about people coming out of uni and going through FD and then out of FD into practice and whether it was, you know, fit for purpose and things like that. And I kind of raised the the issue of, uh, well, not out of my own personal, you know, there's nothing that had gone wrong with me really, but I thought actually, well, if I was a different kind of person and been put in this kind of a job, I would really struggle even though my dentistry is up to scratch. And I raised the point of actually there are groups who you maybe have to look after a little bit more. Um, for example, there are you know girls from religious families with who are Muslim who wouldn't be able to move to somewhere like rural Cornwall because there's no support structure there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because actually most of the time the parents want them to stay at home because you know it's safer or at least with you know family or somewhere where there's a bit of a community that you can have some sort of support from if you're just saying actually we're just going to rank people and throw them wherever you, you know wherever the dice fall that's kind of a recipe for uh, for disaster in some ways uh, from my own personal point that would mean that if i had to go to you know mosque on a friday for example and i was stuck down in i don't know churro or somewhere i don't think there's much of a community there i might be driving all the way to portsmouth or you know some something yeah. just some, as simple as that they kind of just like threw to one side and they were like oh well you know you just got to get on with it um and yeah. i think it's that similar thing not just for you know i'm just coming from the muslim side of things there are probably other communities and subsections of society and dentistry who would have similar issues yeah i definitely agree with you that this is one of my biggest issues with FD that I didn't think about before I applied. I was happy-go-lucky, I'll apply everywhere and anywhere and wherever I get, I'll be happy. I'll be so just thankful and grateful that I've got a position. And I've seen a lot of uh, graduating dentists with the same attitude that I have. But what I didn't think about is 
who else is going to be there to help me when I've had a rough day or you know when I'm exhausted and I get home from work and I don't really want to cook myself dinner because I'm just so tired I just want to go straight to bed Mm. and it's it's even more than that it's financial it's you have to put a deposit down on somewhere to live and pay your first month's rent without having any 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 money from anywhere you haven't had a student loan since April um so I think it's just one of those things really isn't it where it if the support was there everyone would be okay but there's no support like your 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 scheme are great friends once you get to know them but a lot of the time you haven't even met those people by the time you've moved in and you know it it's scary it's it's completely different to uni in terms of what you're actually doing and achieving yeah and and it's similar to um sorry we'll we'll come to here in a second it's similar to kind of dental school in a way because you're still learning but at the same time yeah there's no one that you know unless you get really lucky and you've got a friend that's that's in the same scheme Exactly. Kind yeah. of jumping um, on Molly's point there as well, where she's going on about um, money for rent and everything. So a lot of it is as well, when you're during dental school, like for me, I came from a very working class background. So it really frustrate me when I'd be in like lectures and um, someone would be talking about getting loops. And they'd be like, well, just ask from the bank of mum and dad. And I'm like, well, the bank of mum and dad doesn't necessarily have that money to be able to afford to buy me a pair of loops luckily I saved up and managed to buy a pair but it's it's frustrating because everyone seems to think that because you're doing a course like dentistry and even medicine to an extent that you you come from money and expect you to be able to pay for opportunities and sort of buy your way in so there's a lot of that that I had issues with and quite a few of my friends did as well because they came from working class backgrounds and it's also a point of um, DFT as well which I'm I'm really nervous about because obviously we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We can't really see people. So um, previous to me, I know other schemes would have had the opportunity to meet up and do a kind of meet and greet with um, other scheme leaders and TPDs and whatnot, but we're not going to get the opportunity. And I know we might be able to get it over Zoom, but it's not quite the same experience. So I'm worried for myself personally and for like my cohort just going into DFT because I feel like everyone's so preoccupied with trying to run their practices, which is fair enough because obviously people have a business to run, but I feel like we've kind of been forgotten about a little bit and that's scary for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think current DFTs probably would feel the same way. Yeah. I say the same. Everyone in your year will be feeling exactly the same way as you. And probably practice managers are feeling equally the same, that they've got all this to worry about and... And then thinking, oh, I've got a new member of staff joining and, you know, wanting to make sure that you guys have the right experience and a good experience. It's not just one way is, is it ever really with this. One one thing I have noticed with um, COVID, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, is um, the stigma around anxiety um, to go back to work. I don't know if you've noticed it, but it's something I've heard a little bit uh, recently, especially in relation to fit testing with masks, this um, this kind of conversation of um, oh um, she doesn't want to go back to work, so she'll fail her fit test, and then if that person fails the fit test, it's you know it's kind of like a, a get out of jail free card if you fail. When actually the the masks 
don't fit that well. <laughs> um, I don't know. Have, have you guys heard of that much or? I don't think Hero will will be kind of very in in, in line yeah. with these bits and pieces because you're you're a bit out out of the loop, aren't you, at the moment? Well, that's true. But I'm also part of this um, network, so it's the women's um, dentistry women in dentistry network, and they have like a group chat on WhatsApp that I'm a part of. And I know there's been a lot of anxiety surrounding these guys who were obviously really well established and experienced dentists. And I know a lot of them have been really worried about going back into practice. I think it was the fact that um, it was announced on national TV that the dental mm. dental profession will be going back to work on a certain day and no one had been informed. So it's understandable that people have these anxieties around going back to work because how can we be expected to feel comfortable when we've just found out like the rest of the UK? And what Molly's saying with the fit test, and obviously I'm very new to the whole experience so I've not had a fit test I don't know where I'm going yet for DFT um, but that's another matter but um, I have seen like quite a few of them saying how they're failing and um, it's frustrating for them because there's some that genuinely do want to go back to work and they're failing these fit tests and they're not really getting a lot of information as to why they're failing these fit tests and I think um, yeah that's the extent of my knowledge on it so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think I come from a different sort of angle because uh, I have, you know, shielded individuals within the house. Um, mm. And at the same time, we're, we're asked, being asked to go back to work at a higher level of cases than we shut, than we shut down. Um, so the yeah. whole decision-making process doesn't seem to make any sense from my point of view. Um, and in a way, a couple of months out, there will be some, you know, patients who do need to be seen. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that absolutely doesn't need to be seen. Uh, and yeah. I think there are people out there who are maybe motivated by their own personal situation in terms of finance and things like that, which I do kind of have sympathy for. Uh, but you shouldn't be risking your nursing staff, your reception staff, etc., etc., because, you know, you're looking at your pocket. Um, obviously, yeah. this is unprecedented. So I, I do kind of have that side of sympathy, but at the same time, you've almost got to take it on the chin at that point because you've got a responsibility to those people. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's a very difficult situation um, and not something that I hope we have to kind of deal with again because who's, who's going to want to have to make these kind of decisions time and time again? Yeah, completely agree. I just think it's important to address the fact that people might fail their fit tests and it it's not because they're anxious. You, you know, there's there's two separate entities there and it's okay to be anxious to go back to work because it's been a while and we might not know um, exactly what to expect. Because things are changing every day, aren't they? So, you know, it's just, that's normal. It's a normal part of, of life. Like, I'm not going to lie, I'm very anxious to actually start working my DFT year. So I, the last time I would have seen a patient would have been back in March of this year. So yeah. it's been a while now. I've, I've probably de-skilled and I'll, I'll admit that, but I don't know what I can be doing at home to carry that on. Like, I know that there's people who are doing like wax carvings and things like that, but I can't really get access to instruments. And obviously that's not an excuse, but there's going to be like hundreds of people across the country in my position who are really worried 
like I know there's been a lot of webinars as well, which has been amazing and loads of like established and well-known dentists have been giving up their time. But from a personal standpoint, that's brought me anxiety as well because I'm kind mm-hmm. of just there like I should be listening to these webinars. Like these people aren't going to be giving up their time for free all the time. So now's the time to jump at this opportunity. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, I need a break. I've done five years of dental school. It's been very taxing and emotionally draining at the best of times. And I think it's okay to take a rest, but there's obviously that ongoing battle in my head where I'm like, oh, well, you should be doing this because you've got ample time to kind of go over all all of your dentistry. But then at the same time, I'm like, no, you need to relax. Like take this time to just chill out so it's it's really difficult for me because I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing during this time and that is something I struggle with like not knowing and feeling really anxious about the future yeah I think that's that's fair I think from personal experience um my mic's dropping a little uh from personal experience I think you don't need to worry so much uh I failed my finals so with a retake you end up passing in November so it's 10 months before I, I saw a patient anyway and within a week, you're back in the swing of things. It's no difference, I think, taking a month a month off after finals to 10 months off. Maybe if you go in two, three years, then you, then you may be in trouble a little bit, but um, you've done enough kind of work during your, you know, university experience that you'll be at a certain level. And it's not like, you know, you're gonna drop off your skills so, so much, uh, because a lot of what we do is decision-making. It's not actually clinical skills. Uh, obviously clinical yeah. skills will come into it but decision making is something that you learn during finals and having a, a longer break is probably going to be more helpful than than a hindrance to be honest you'll just be more calm by the time you come back in yeah <laughs> you'll be glad for the extra time <laughs> yeah I've been I've been relaxing quite a bit to be honest like it's only just come to the point now where I feel comfortable enough to have a bit more of a lie-in or just do what I want to do so like cooking and baking which has been quite fun and you know what I think by the time it comes to it I feel like I'll be ready to go back I think I know for a fact that I'll be rusty to start with and I'll be a bit like a deer in headlights like oh my gosh what do I do but I'm hoping like Jabir said with time that it just kind of comes back to me and I end up loving it so that that's the hope really but I think my main concern is obviously the whole support network because when I was back in uni had a great support network so I'd have so the uni welfare team that was made up of um, Dr Hill who's obviously going to be the new head of school but we also had a wonderful lady called Pamela Grant and she was um, a massive integral part of like my development at university like she spent a lot of time just kind of giving me advice and coping strategies and now that I don't have that kind of um, support network where am I going to find that out in practice? Will it be my ES or will it be other members of um, the scheme? I honestly have no idea. And to be honest, I'm a bit clueless about what it what life is like after uni. I don't think we get enough information on that. All I know is that we do our DFT year, have study, study days on Fridays or whatever day it is, and you make friends with people in your scheme. But then after that, I honestly haven't a clue. Yeah, I think that's always a worry. Yeah yeah um, i'd say oh go on no, no go on molly um i would i would say with that is yeah just get to know your like your scheme friends as much as you can but it, it you will need a wider network than that than just people on your scheme you know your es's are great like for support clinically but you wouldn't go to them 
for like a, a probably for like your most more personal issues so you know if you can get involved in any other act it's the same as dental school in that sense that if you can get involved in uh, like a gym or a or you know like another activity outside of work something that can really integrate you into the area that you're living in and give you other people to talk to about normal things that aren't teeth all the time that has been one of the best things for me is to kind of just say you know what when I come home from work some, there are there is more to life than just work all the time uh, and just teeth and and to think about other things that I like doing and and relax that way yeah I think I think that comes back almost to the point I was trying to make a bit earlier about the shortcomings of a ranking based DFT sort of yeah. position thing because yeah you need to come out of work and have something else going on not everyone is going to be like someone like my, me who can go a bit one single-minded and one track for you know 12 months and even then it became very very difficult and I was only maybe an hour and a half away from home so there, there came a point that I couldn't stay in that town anymore like I had the, I had the house there which was very close to the practice and things but I was so bored so kind of out of touch with the rest of the people within that area um, that I, I, I started commuting an hour and a half there and back just because I could, yeah. you know, I could go and see a friend in the evening. I was driving two hours to Hull sometimes so I could go and have, have dinner and then go back because I, I had Crazy, one friend it? who was in Hull. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's true. It makes, it makes a big difference because at the end of the day, um, yeah, there was, it was a great practice. And, you know, the people in that practice were really good to me and I learned a lot from everyone who was there uh, and, you know, still got friends from when I was there. Luckily for me, I had, there was two DFs, so there was someone else who I could speak to, but she went home every night. She she drove back to mm. West Yorkshire. Um, so it's one of those things that was almost laughed off a little bit because... I don't know, they, they were just like, oh, it's one year and, you know, you'll get over it. But what if there's someone who's got kids and a baby or, yeah. you know, um, a partner and, you know, things are going through maybe a rocky time because if, if you, you've got a job somewhere else and, the, and your partner's somewhere else and then as a result of this whole one-track sort of system, things in, within your life can fall apart and, and these are things that really need to be addressed because are you trying to make... A very good dentist or are you trying to fill gaps in the NHS system yeah I was just gonna say this um, because there was a lot of talk when we were discussing at the BD at the BDSA uh, meetings that I would go to about uh, how for one year of your life you could go somewhere and fill that gap in you know in a community where they are absolutely desperate for uh, dental services or dental provision that otherwise it would take maybe a, a large golden hello for a, an otherwise um, established dentist to enter into that kind of location. Um, but it's, you're kind of using it like you're young, you're, you'll be fine, you don't have any responsibilities. But there are, there are dentists who graduate who, as you said, do have families or get engaged or get married throughout the course of university, start families, and those people, yeah, they, they must struggle. It must, you know, the timing was something that we were really uh, passionate about keeping where it was so that dental, dental graduates would have as much time as possible to 
relocate. Um, dentists who have children will not have time to move their children to a new area, a new school, um, but with the timing that they have from the day, the time that you get your places released uh, and you find out where you're going. And it, it's just, it's a bit, it is a bit rubbish, really. You know, you could find dentists in other ways, like students on outreach that would fill those gaps quite nicely without forcing people to do things that they actually aren't that interested in doing, you know, going to places they don't want to be in. Yeah, I, th I think it's uh, the whole problem with the way everything is set up, target-based, and so mm -hmm. even if you do go somewhere like that where it is, you know, people maybe don't want to work, the work is actually less less enjoyable as well in those areas, so it's like a double whammy. Yeah. I'm living somewhere I don't want to live, and the work's really, really difficult, and it's not very interesting, and, you know, there's not much chance of progression, and et cetera, et cetera, because of maybe the low... SES sort of area not that there's anything wrong mm -hmm. with those people because you know there are good and bad people from all walks of life and all areas but it makes it very difficult for someone starting out in their career or even further on in their career you can easily lose skills as quickly as you as you gain them if you're stuck doing things in the in a particular way which which doesn't aid you moving forward yeah definitely and kind of leaping on that those areas you know, where, you know, where dentists haven't been, you know, at, you know, been accessed very easily, the need is often quite high. So as you said, the work is really difficult. My foundation year was basically building a list of high needs patients. And it was, it was tough, like that really takes out of you. And more than that, you don't know what you can actually do. Because when I was going to interviews then for uh, to be an associate they're saying how many udas have you done and i was like well about 500 because my, my list is just all high needs patients it, it it's com completely throws it's not an experience of what being a real associate would be like necessarily mm. other practices might have been different but mine was very much you're building a list and it it was it was a bit slow you know it, it was yeah yeah, I, th I think that's that's the whole issue with with kind of early early years within dentistry after after university. Um, I did want to speak a bit more about Hera's um, article. Can you tell us a bit more about that, Hera? So my article, wow. So it feels like ages ago since I had that um, written, but um, it was completely my way of being as open and, and as honest as possible. So I speak quite candidly about my own experiences with um, anxiety and depression, which I was um, diagnosed with back in 2018, I believe it was. So I think the biggest issue for me when I was even writing that was trying to convey it in a way that made me like reflective about how I had felt and trying to be relatable to people. Because once I had that published, I had so many people come up to me and being like, you're so brave for publishing that like I couldn't relate I couldn't agree with anything more than what I'd read in your in your article and um it was really like quite emotional for me because I was like it's it's something that's really difficult to experience and to know that other people are also experiencing something like that and don't feel like they can speak up and get the help that they deserve it's it's quite worrying for me because obviously you hear a lot about um dentistry and 
I remember when I told people that I was doing dentistry, the first two things they'd say to me was, oh, great money. Um, the second thing was, oh, it's got the highest suicide rate. And at the time, it was always something that I kind of brushed off because I was like, well, I've not really heard much about this. So it's probably not true. It's probably just something that people read and retain it. But with recent events, with the the sad passing away of um, one of the dental colleagues that I've seen a lot about, it, it's it's quite real and it's it's scary for me. So my aim with the article was, like I said, to be open and candid. Um, I talk a lot about the issue of perfectionism. So I think, I don't want to say like we're set up to fail when we apply for dental school, but if you think about it, it's just so much competition. You've got to write a really knockout personal statement. You've got to have all this experience. You need to make yourself stand out. And it's only within a matter of, what, 4,000 characters, which isn't a lot at all. And then you've got to make yourself stand out at interview. And then when it comes to it, you need to get the grades and you're competing with so many other people to get this position. And then when you're in dental school, you're all kind of in the same position then. But for some reason in everyone's mindsets, you're still in competition with each other. And if anything, that brings out a really toxic energy. And I always felt like I was in competition. Like I didn't necessarily say out loud, like, oh, I'm competing with you. But I always felt like I had to be the best. And obviously when you're applying for something like dentistry, like you are the best from where you come from. And it was quite humbling. And um, yeah, it really opened my eyes when I kind of didn't do as good as I wanted to do. And it got to a point where I'd get really down about myself because... I wasn't getting like honours or whatever it is that would class you as a brilliant dentist. And it's taken a lot of like self-development in myself to kind of come to the point where I've got to realise that you're not going to get 100% in every exam and you're not going to do the most amazing filling straight away. It's going to take time and practice. But I think a lot of people don't really understand that until it's a bit too late almost. Like when people come into DFT, for example, they're going to get a massive shock when they realise that, the pace it is and how different it is to dental school so my personal opinion is that resilience and welfare and perfectionism needs to be tackled earlier on in dental school and people need to have that ideology of being in constant competition and wanting to be the best kind of knocked out I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting to do wanting to do as good as you can but you don't always have to be the best and I think that's an attitude that definitely needs changing within dentistry I think I think there's good sides and bad sides to that, isn't there? Yeah. Um, mm. Because you know that that attitude from some people, it self it's self motivating, but it doesn't have to be everyone's kind of goal. And even I would say that I'm quite competitive, but it's not competitive one v one versus you know somebody else or anything like that. It's I want to be able to you know do things better than the average, and you know I think that's kind of I don't think that's a bad thing in a way. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I do see kind of where you're coming from in terms of when you get into dental school, there is no longer any sort of competition. Um, and it's nice that the dental schools do sort of k- kind of have that idea or certainly Newcastle did because there was no ranking of students in, you know, um, you know, you're the f- number one, two, three or anything like that. Obviously, people will get merits because, you know, they've done it especially well. And that's kind of all well and good. Um, but I, I think there's definitely something to be said for, a you know, the competition between students, which doesn't make any sense because by you doing better or someone else doing worse doesn't make either one of you better off, uh, minus mm-hmm. passing the exam or not passing the exam. 
Um, and there were instances I know of where people had gotten hold of revision materials or past paper questions and weren't passing them on um, yeah. because they wanted to be one up versus everyone else which you know destroyed friendships and all sorts of things and it's completely unnecessary um, at that level I think that is that what you're talking about that kind of a, yeah an so yeah, yeah an example of that is yeah I sorry carry on no uh, but I think it's really different when you come to you know actual treatment or something like because that kind of energy of wanting to be really really good is then benefiting the patient so you kind of don't want to get rid of that almost but yeah it's that so, academic side which is just ridiculous what it is is i think there's two sides to perfectionism you've got the adaptive side where it's it's good like you just mentioned where you are constantly pushing yourself to be better and if you've done a filling for example or a root canal and it's good but then your tutor for example gives you feedback on how to make it better you kind of take that feedback on board assimilate it and use it next time when you're doing a filling or a root canal whereas you've got the maladaptive side where for example someone fails an exam and then they kind of spiral a bit out of control like okay i failed an exam i'm a failure i'm going to fail this i'm going to fail the year and then i'm going to have to resit the year and then i'm going to fit and it's sort of like that spiraling attitude which is something that i can relate to because it's something that i had and i'll openly admit i've failed exams and because i changed my mindset i kind of took it on the chin and I had friends friends comment on the fact that like you're handling it really well like I'm really proud of you and it's sort of like knowing when to let failure kind of fuel and motivate you rather than demotivate you and I think a lot of people haven't really found a way to let failure kind of fuel them yeah yeah and you don't have to be the best at everything in dentistry you can be the best at or try and be the best at just one aspect and and that's okay you not everyone is going to be a general dental 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 forever and that's that's fine you know you can be you can learn those skills you can be general dentist and be good at everything forever but you can also just pick one thing and say that I get that that's going to be me from now on yeah the other thing I wanted to just pick up on was um you mentioned resilience and I find resilience really interesting because I, I'm interested to know what you think if um, we, are, we are less resilient now than what dentists used to be or my opinion is we have more hoops to jump through, more, more places to prove that we've fallen, more, more places to prove that we've failed. Um, which gives you more opportunity to reflect and get into that maladaptive cycle that you were just talking about. I think the landscape has changed. I'm just Googling something very quickly because I think it's going to help us in that kind of a situation. But I think, for example, if you qualified in 1990, uh, you would have a couple of years. Probably, I think uh, there was a really good professor we had in, uh, or clinical tutor we had in university. He said it takes you five years to get on top of things after university. And by that point, you'll be, you know, competent, not just to say for beginner. Um, so by that five years is up, you're probably at 1995. And then if you're someone at that point, you've had five years experience behind you, five years of earning. At that point, you could bought a practice quite easily. By 2005, you might be earning five, six practices uh, because of the way that things were. The, there was fee per item. It was much more lucrative back in the day. Um, 
and it was much cheaper to buy practices. And obviously now you can see that that would leave you in a really, really strong position financially and, you know, and all the other sides of life because you're probably not working very hard yourself. So that is a completely different situation to now. If you were to say to to myself, who's two, two and a half years out of university in another two and a half years, you're going to buy a practice. I look at you, go, you're you crazy. I can, you know, I'm still living at home, um, yeah. which is a, a personal decision. And I'm, I'm having to take that decision because I want to upskill in another area. And that's the only yeah. way that you can do it now. Um, and that's because cost of living has skyrocketed. You can't buy a house for the same sort of um, earning potential that you could have um, back in the early 90s or, you know, whenever it was people were doing that back, you know, uh, when, when they yeah. were, came to that decision versus where we are now. You need to have almost a second stream of income to be able to justify something like that now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. And it's also just um, jumping on that point, actually. So when I was in dental school, we had people who were DCTs and did their DCT year there. And the amount of them that had like second jobs to kind of supplement their income because the cost of living is so high. Like like Molly said, like the generational pressures are so much more different. And it really frustrates me when we get labelled as snowflakes almost because we're moaning too much or just being ungrateful. But the pressures are completely different. Like we're having to deal with the economic pressures of finding it difficult to actually get on the housing market, for example. I mean, I'm no expert in this area. I don't really know a lot about like how to get on the housing market, but I've heard that <laughs> it's difficult and renting places. Like even, even just before this conversation, I was looking at like flats to rent for my DFT like, um, year and, and they're so expensive and they're expecting you to come up with some money to put a deposit down like Molly said and it's just it's it's kind of impossible and bringing that nature of them people being like dentists are greedy and it's really frustrating for me because I don't understand where this perception has come from that people who do dentistry only do it for the money and that's completely not the truth at all and that's like one of my biggest yeah. pet peeves um, yeah well yeah, definitely. I'm just I've just looked it up so if in 1992 you wanted to buy a house you needed two and a half years worth of income uh, and that was everywhere in the UK, just about anywhere between two and three years of income. So now, if you're very, in the far, you know, very far north, you can get get away with maybe three point five years of income. Average for the UK is now five years, and London is almost ten or eleven. Gosh, crazy, isn't it? As that's it's, like, it's doubled. No one, it's no doubled. <laughs> yeah. More, yeah. So I mean, that that's just one thing that you could kind of bring up and say, actually, this is why it's so much more difficult at the same time if you want to get a car insurance for people who are younger is insane versus someone who's in the 40s and 50s like you're probably say paying as much as people who are rent you know driving supercars are for for a you know ford fiesta or something um and that and that's another thing uh, th there are tons of these little bits and pieces that just slowly slowly add up and you go actually that's that's where my earnings gone yeah and courses which is something you spoke about with on the other day which is just like the cost of courses are are crazy so you, you know you feel like potentially you know in my foundation year i was thinking oh i'm good but i'm i'm not where i want to be i you know i'm i'm okay at what i'm doing i want to be better that was an anxiety that was a stress i don't have enough money to go on a course so i can't get better 
and then you're in you're in that exact spiral that you were talking about i need loops i need a camera i need this this if i have all these things that these people are telling me if i have them then i'll be successful and i'll be i'll be better at my job which i i will be if i have the right equipment and i go on the right courses i, I hopefully will be a better dentist but there's there's a point that you get to where every step you want to take you have to be able to financially support yourself to do that and actually dentistry especially in your first year and your first couple of months of being an associate i found was not lucrative at all no, I th <laughs> you I know think that's, working that's on totally an agency contract um yeah and I, my only advice is you, you've got to live at home that's the only thing that's the yeah. only kind of um way that i've i've found of, of kind of being able to to do it otherwise you know money that i'm paying for for bits and pieces you know on a monthly basis i've been i've found some really good companies out there who will give you good finance not percent interest and things like that for you as a young dentist yeah. but if i was renting that's the money gone that i needed for that particular piece of equipment or course that i wanted to go on so that's probably not what people want to hear but um you know i think i think <laughs> if you want to set yourself up in the long term that's what you have to do yeah, well, that's no, sort of frustrating for me though because I'm on a scheme which isn't anywhere near where I live so I live um, back in Manchester a small town called Rochdale if you guys you guys have probably heard of it yes, um, so that's where I'm <laughs> from <laughs> and um, yeah it's a wonderful place <laughs> but, um, it's it's nowhere near the scheme that I that I'm I've been placed on and like I didn't do as well as I'd hoped to um the SJT really kind of was my downfall because I I did really well at the interview it was just the SJT that I was awful at and then luckily like the scheme itself isn't the worst scheme in the world like it's actually a really good scheme but my worry when um getting that scheme was like I'm gonna be spending so much money living out like I could probably commute but that's spending like an hour, an hour and a half commuting, commuting just one way and then another hour or an hour and a half commuting back. And it's probably longer than that. And then that's like three hours of my day just traveling. And that would stress me out too much. But then on the flip side, like having a flat, like just looking at some of the prices of flats, it's, it's really expensive. And like, I know we get a decent like starting income, but the money won't go very far if I'm having to pay for things like rent and bills and then on top of that having to like pay for things like a camera or going on courses or just traveling the UK to see my family or friends and meet other people and it's it's a stress for me because I know like, I'm not the best with money at the moment but just having an idea of what my earnings are going to go on is it's not going to go very far. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think that kind of sums up the long and short of it. You either sacrifice your your social life or you or your dental educational, I don't know, uh, work progression life. Um, yeah. Should we call that a day for part one, guys, and uh, yep. reconvene in about a couple of minutes because I know the guys who have been asking uh, have been saying that they want slightly shorter episodes so they can have it on a on an average drive apparently. 40 minutes <laughs> is the average for a, for a drive it seems so um, thank you guys <laughs> for listening good. we're going to have part 2 with Hera and Molly very very shortly uh, after a quick drinks break hi guys that was part 1 of mindfulness with Molly Deakin and Hera Jamil if you've enjoyed that one then please check out part 2 which is coming up soon we move a little bit away from dentistry 
a bit more some more hot topics within the world at large. If you've been enjoying what's going on on Denser Vinsta and on Hotpot Podcast and would like to support what I'm doing here, uh, that's absolutely amazing and really, really well appreciated. What you can do is have a little look to the link in the bio on Instagram or in the uh, in the podcast notes below uh, and you can look to join the Patreon group or look at get one of the mugs. There's a couple of different designs on there. They're pretty good, uh, but not amazing because I'm not quite a designer yet getting there though don't worry um and the patreon group is something that's really really cool we've got a private chat room which is on discord if you haven't seen discord before it's an area where we can uh, just talk freely and uh, help support each other and um it's got a bunch of really really good people on there at the moment but we want the community to grow so have a little look there if that's something you're interested in